Good morning on the sunny morning. Sun is shining. You can see the weather is changing. Just a reminder, on the 10th of December will be our last Sunday. Will be our last Sunday. Um, And then we will close the meetings. And we will be back here in January. So we do not have a New Year's Eve service. Um, So we will be back after, after December in the beginning of January. And we'll be together on the 7th of January. 7th of January. Just take note of that. The 7th of January. Um, the reason that we close our meetings is because many people travel and many people, um, families come visit and, you know, and family suk andag. Right? So, and we're going to, and so we just give everybody time to, to spend time with their families and be together. Um, also take note, next week, Sunday, the 26th of December. Is, am I right? Was it right? Ah, yes, it's true. Excuse me. The 26th of November. Okay? Otherwise you'll end up being here on your own. <laughs> to say thanks to the Lord. <laughs> right? Anyway, the 26th of November, this coming Sunday... We're having our Thanksgiving service, and it's a time where we bring an offering to say thank you unto the Lord. And uh, so please pray about what offering you should bring. And there is no, I'm going to tell you it's, it's $50 and 150 or 1000 or 2000 It's all up to you. How grateful are you? Right? And... And the purpose of that offering is, is that we, will, we would like to take care of our family. Um, I'm not, not, not my personal family, biological family. I'm talking about the spiritual family here, KGM. Those who, are, um, who do not have much and we would love to be a blessing for them in the December. So that December is not a depressing time, but a time that they can also rejoice and enjoy themselves. That's the purpose of that offering. And then in the week, the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me that um, while, while it is true that He is the one that blesses us with all good things, um, the Lord also uses people. Amen? He uses people. And so we need to have a thanksgiving towards people, towards our brothers and our sisters. Um, mainly the focus is in KGM, right? If you want to do it outside, that's fine. Um, but what we are doing is, is that um, the Lord said to me that He doesn't, He always uses people to bless us. And, and sometimes you have gone through a struggle and the Lord used a friend. The Lord used a sister, a brother in Christ to be there for you. 
Um, and we should show our appreciation to them. Now that thanksgiving doesn't necessarily require a financial giving. Right? You can just simply say to that person with all sincerity and love in your heart and deep appreciation, I just want to say thank you to you for being there when I really needed it the most. You know? And, uh, and so sometimes, so it's different. Some people have been with us through our depression. Other people have been with us through our heartache. You maybe broke up with somebody, you know. Um, other people have given to us financially in our time of need. Other people have given financially and did not come knocking like the bank and put pressure on you and say, "Can alles van jou fatte tot jy my geld teruggee. Right? But they also endured to make it lighter upon you. And so we should appreciate that. And so my point out of that is, while I am talking about uh, the house should follow their leaders and grace that we bring, um, it is not only by the grace that the Lord has given to me for your benefit that everybody grows. The Lord has through through, our, through the years, he has also used somebody else along the line. So, while I, I understand and I appreciate the fact that people would say to me, thank you for your, the grace that you have brought and the example that you show, I think if we are honest, then we will also realize that the Lord did not only use the pastor and his wife, he also used other brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that we would want to appreciate them as well. Amen? Right? We want to appreciate them as well. And that's what the Lord said to me. Have a thanksgiving. So, I already started in early in the week. And um, on my side, we bought a gift just to say thank you. But it doesn't have to be a gift. Do you understand? So, from now until Sunday coming, we want to appreciate each other and say thank you. The Lord did use you in my life. Amen? Right? Do you all understand that? Okay. However you want to do that, you want to wash feet, take a person for a coffee, give a gift, or just, I don't know, whatever. However the Lord lays it upon your heart. Amen? Okay. So, that is for next week Sunday or Sunday coming. So we are busy with this series called The Churches of Macedonia. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay. So many times you'll see me use a verse over and over to start. And by the end of the series, I hope that verse is stuck in you. Right? Because it, it became the verse that where, where the message was birthed out of. Right? And as I said to you, I did not start this message to end up here. I was actually listening to, to my father in the faith. And I was listening to his message on biblical economics. And ended up have, receiving a message on the spirit of poverty. And the example came from the churches of Macedonia. 
And then I ended up discovering, and I actually did it for myself, not even for you. I was just doing my own study and wanting to know more. And as I did that, as I did that, we, I stumbled upon 13 different types of poverty. And, it, and as I went along, I found that there were different keys to the churches of Macedonia that made them flourish. I'll use that word, flourish in the grace of God. Right? Flourish in the grace of God. And as I discovered them, I, I was, I think, was not, I began to see the value in what I was seeing. So let's read this verse. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So why are we on this subject? Just so that you can understand the whole goal of all the messages that we've been bringing. The whole goal is the grace of God. Right? Paul used the Macedonian church as an example to the Corinthian church to tell them of the grace of God. Right? On the churches of Macedonia. Look what he says. We, wa- we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he wanted the Corinthian church to know the grace of God that is at work and flourishing with the churches of Macedonia. And as I've said to you before, the Bible says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And, and so grace is very, very important. The Bible speaks of grace as the riches of His grace. In other words, in God's mind, grace is valuable. In God's mind, grace is wealth. In God's mind, grace is riches. Okay? And so, uh, we need to elevate our understanding of grace so that we can appreciate it. All that you need to be, who you must be, is by the grace of God. And so, the more the grace of God can flourish in our lives, the more we will accelerate and advance and move forward by the grace of God that is at work in our lives. Okay? And I, when I started the first Sunday under um, the spirit of poverty, when I did the first message on grace, the subtitle grace, I woke up with this, with this message bubbling inside of me. And the whole point of was that we must work the grace of God. Right? And working the grace of God is not legalism. Right? If you understand that you already possess grace and you are using grace, then in the same way, if you have a talent and you use your talent, you are not legalistic. You are simply saying, Right? And so, and so, that brought an understanding that grace must be worked. Right? Grace must be worked by faith. Okay. So, 
He wanted them to understand the grace of God. In verses 2, I'm going to read verses 2. So, it says that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So, their affliction, their trials, their difficulties, and if you go study and do a bit of a background check on these churches, what they were going through, they were going through persecution, adversity, people were against them, people were looking for Paul and were beating some of the people. You know, that could be an example like people are looking for me because they hate the message that I preach. And then they come knocking on your house. JP. And then they beat you to give up me. Right? And these guys weren't willing to do that. Right? And so they were going through through a great difficulty, yet they had joy. That, that's just amazing. So if there's no joy while you are going through your difficulty, it's because the grace of God is not flourishing in you. That's as, that's as simple as that, right? And, and even in their poverty, even having not enough they gave more and yet had their needs met right and so they were able to do that because of grace that was flourishing in their lives and they understood that grace is worked right and i saw the principles and and what what intrigued me was why how did they come to this and this is how the Holy Spirit led me to discover these principles. Okay? So tell the person next to you, we are after the flourishing of grace. Okay, so you know what's the goal. Okay? So everything you're going to hear after this is to allow grace to flourish. Okay? Right? So when you hear something difficult, say he wants grace to flourish. Right? He's after the flourishing of grace, the grace of God that must be seen and overtake our lives. Okay? Are you all with me? Right. So, let's go to, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 4. Oh, sorry, let's read, sorry, verse 5 first. Um, these are the foundational scriptures to this message. Verses uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 5. It says there, Therefore judge... No, no, no. Clean off your judge. And not only as we hoped, but they gave, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Right? And so, I saw that the reason that they could walk in the grace of God the way they did is because they, they were givers. And one of the ways that what they did was they gave themselves firstly to the Lord. First. So, the way the grace of God will flourish in your life is, by, is determined by how much of yourself have you given to Him. <laughs> 
Okay? So, you can give yourself to someone and still hold some parts back. Just get married and you'll know. Right? Je kan nie daar gaan nie. Nee, 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 die is my geld. That's my money. Right? It's not yours. Right? You understand? We can give ourselves. No, that's my time. I'm going to go play golf. Yeah, yeah, what? Right? We can give ourselves, but we can also withhold. To the measure that you have given yourself to the Lord. You see, you may have given yourself to the Lord, but then you say to Him, don't touch my money. Don't tell me how to handle my money. Right? You can give yourself to the Lord and then you say, don't tell me how to submit. Right? You can give yourself to the Lord and then you say, but don't tell me how to lay down my life. You see, to the measure that you give yourself to Him is to the measure that the grace of God will work in your life. Okay? Are you all with me? You got to understand that. So that was the f- first thing I saw. Then, and I told you, we can first fruit our lives. Give it all. The best offering you can give the Lord is yourself. You know, first fruit is the best. That's what first fruit is. That first salary. Ay, is lekker. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? It's the best. And the best offering you can give the Lord is yourself. When you lay it all down at His feet. Right? Then it says they gave themselves unto their leaders. Right? They gave themselves unto us by the will of God. It is the will of God that you should give yourself to leaders. Right? And, and the culture that we, that we have today is that that is a difficult thing to say. Especially in our context if we are influenced much by the West or the United States or things that come out of there. We, we, there as I said to you, there's this, there's this ideology that, that is being propagated or subtly being given to us. Right? And the main, and the main concept that is dri- driven through to us is individualism. When you read the Bible, all you can read is I, me, and my. When last did you read us and we? So when you read the Our Father prayer, you read how you must pray for yourself, not how you must pray for us. Because our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us our daily bread. You know, how often do you pray for your own needs, but never for the need of another? Right? And so, the, it, is, it is the will of God that we give ourselves to our leaders. Right? To the leaders, and it is the will. I've already established that. I don't want to, to overlabor that point. Okay? And, um, yeah, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 14. So, this Macedonian church gave themselves to the Lord, gave themselves to their leaders, 
and then they gave to each other. Right? So we appreciate the Lord, we appreciate our leaders, we appreciate each other. Right? And, and here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 14, and I told you that the Macedonian church, which, which is the churches, there were different churches in Macedonia. So there was the, tes, the churches of Tessal, Thessalonica, the churches of Philippi, right? So the book of Philippians and the book of First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, those are the churches that were in Macedonia. And those churches in Macedonia, they, they, when we read about them, we discover the things that Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 8. We discover them also in Thessalonians and we discover the way that they think and the way that Paul taught them and told them to do things. And one of the things that Paul said about the Macedonian churches is that you have followed us. And he's saying to the church that you have become followers of your leaders. And then he says, and by doing that, you have become an example to other people. So that from you the word went out everywhere. Right? And so the hindrance to the word going out is the fact that it's not going in properly to the people. Right? And it needs to go in and you need to follow and obey so that you be, so it become an example. Right? So it would be, it would be wonderful to, for someone, for me to say to someone, listen, why don't you come to KGM and come and see how the people give? Come see how they give themselves. Come see how they give financially. Come and see how they follow their leaders. Come and see. An example. Right? And so that, so that as you are an example, you are a sample that people can follow. And say, this is how it should do. Look how it works and look what's happening to the people. Do you all understand the, the goal? And the Lord said to me that this is very important. So... And so basically I said to you, it's then very simple. All it is is father and son. Father and son. Father and son. From the leaders to the people. The people followed their leaders and they imitated, they mimicked their leaders. And all that happened is they became the very same model and sample of what they were doing. And then in that they became examples. And that is sonship. Right? And I gave you this, and I'm going to start here. So, let's read this. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. The old King James will say, as my beloved sons, I warn you. Now, we are all God's children. Right? We are all God's children. But Paul says, as my beloved children, I warn you. So, you are not... In this context, you are not just children of God, but you are also children of somebody else. Are you all with me? Okay? And he says, as my beloved sons, I warn you. Right? Let me just get it also here. Sorry. 
perform. Okay. So, as my, as my beloved children, I warn you. So, and remember, he's calling the church. Those who gave their hearts to the Lord. Who's he speaking to? To the church. He says, as my beloved children, I warn you. Right? He says, verse 15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet do you not have many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Why are we speaking these things? Can we hear? Why are we speaking these things? For the grace of God to flourish. Right? Remember. Remember the goal. Right? It says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, so though you may have somebody that you follow on TBN, God Channel, TikTok, Reels, YouTube, Facebook, although you may have your 10,000s, but... I am your father. Do you know who your father is? Okay, we're not talking about God the Father now. Okay, right? And your spiritual father, or your, I, I like to, I've, I've crossed over, I like to say father in the faith. Because the word spiritual father is not the spiritual father. But Father is there. Yet you do not have many fathers. Okay? So, um, your father in the faith is not necessarily someone who led you to Christ. But it is someone who has the doctrine, the gospel. He says, yet, do, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And that begotten is a process. Right? It's not a once off. It's someone that feeds you with bread, with doctrine. Right? And, and the one who is that is the one who uses the doctrine to, to beget or to carve out the image of Christ in you. Right? And so... And so, when you know who your father is, you know who you're supposed to be listening to. Right? This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, as, as my beloved children, I would like to warn you. Okay? Now, I'm teaching. I'm not warning you. I'm just teaching you the scriptures. Okay? Uh, he says, you... So, what is his warning? The warning is, you have many people that you listen to, but I want you to understand, I am your father. That's basically what he said. That's the warning. The warning is, you have got lots of people that are teaching you and that you are listening to, but I am your father. In other words, listen to me. Listen to me. So, what that means is, 
Your father in the faith becomes the primary source of doctrine and word to you. That's what that means. So, so I do listen to other people. But not as much as I listen to Thamo. The voice and the sound is the voice of Thamu Naidu, who is my father in the faith. Right? And, and so, and so to acknowledge that someone is your father, it also brings an understanding to you that this is the person that I must follow, imitate. Now remember I said to you, we're not imitating our brothers and sisters. The Bible says imitate your leaders. Imitate your fathers. Right? And, and yeah, why? Because you'll be more offended with your brother and your sister. Because many times we have to like, this one did that and this one said now this. And you know, I'm, a, I'm upset about that and... You know, they forgot about me and, you know, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I, what I discovered was only recently, wow, the reason sometimes we trip and stumble and fall is because we don't understand that we're actually supposed to be looking at our leaders as the example and not um, our brothers and our sisters who many times offend us because they are also growing like us, Right? Okay, so give them also slack, just like you want slack, right? But you, you are supposed to follow your leaders, right? And because one time somebody said to me, the reason why they don't practice the principles is because they, they said that they don't see it in, in, in much of the people. When I heard that, okay, but that, back then I didn't have this teaching, but I just said, no, but you're supposed to follow me. I'm your father. That stuff that you just said is working in my life. Everything you just said is not working there. I can tell you it's working in me. I have the testimony. I have the results. I have it. You're supposed to follow me. Look here. Right? And back then I didn't have that understanding, but now I have this understanding. And, and so... We can, we can stumble and fall because we are not following, we, are not, we didn't understand who we are supposed to follow. Okay? Are you all with me? Right? So, so who's your father? Right? So you may not accept me, you know, because we have, um, we have visitors and we have people who have recently given their hearts to the Lord. You may not ac- uh, accept me now as your spiritual father, but you must accept that I am the father of this house. Right? You must accept that I am the father. Of, I do not desire to be the pastor of this house. I desire to be the father of this house, this people. Right? And so, um, but if you choose to have somebody else as a father, then you are in the wrong place. That's true. Because I can't compete with your father. 
So if you have said that you are, you, this is where the Lord has sent you to be, then automatically you have said, you are the one that's going to father me. Right? And before you look for a church, you're looking for a father. Right? Because you're looking for someone that can feed you. Someone that can give you doctrine. Fathering is mainly done through the doctrine. Okay? This is not biological fathering. Okay? We don't replace your biological father. Right? But, uh, so if you are here, right, then, and you have said that this is where I want to be, then, then you have accepted that I am the one that's fathering you. Okay? But that is now not going to be forced upon you. It's not going to be forced upon you. But start with acknowledging that I am the father of the house. Okay? So, so that, that, that was the warning. I know you, that you like to listen to short clips here and there and so on. And you know, they, you probably can't count them anymore of how many different people you've listened to. But, I am your father. Right? Okay? Now, I don't mean that in a mocking or in a way. I, I'm just trying to be clear. Right? So that, you know, it's not... Um, you still don't have to figure out what I'm trying to say. Okay? And I'm trying to explain the scripture. So that was the warning. You've got to know who is your father. Right? So that you know who you must follow, whose example you must follow, and whose doctrine you must follow. Okay? Then verse 18. Oh, sorry, sorry, not verse 18. Verse 16. Therefore... Why does the word therefore appear? Because of what he said before. Therefore, right, I urge you, imitate me. So, you have lots of teachers that you listen to, lots of different things you listen to, but I'm your father, I have begotten you through the gospel, right? If you've accepted that, listen, imitate me. Follow me, the warning. Right? The gentle warning. Right? Imitate me. Old King James, follow me. Right? Now, if you've been years with the Lord and you're following nobody, there's a problem. Uh, I'm serious. Been years with the Lord and you haven't come to this place where you can't follow anybody. Are you telling me there's nobody out there that is an example to you? then you are struggling with something. Right? The problem is not that there are not any leaders out there. The problem is is that you are struggling with something. Right? Are you all with me? Okay? So, there is somebody that you must find. You can't be ten years in the Lord and you found nobody. Okay, verse 17. For this reason. Right? For what reason? I just urge you to follow me. Imitate me. I am your father. 
I know you listen to here and there, but I am your father. You must, right, follow me, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy. And who was he speaking to? Sons. He said, as my beloved children, I warn you. As my beloved sons, I warn you. He's saying to his sons, imitate me. Basically, he's saying, you have become followers of me. So being followers of your leaders is being sons to fathers. Right? Are you all with me? Okay. So, then he says, I'm sending Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So, Paul is saying, I have warned you, you are, speak to you as my children. I'm saying you've got many teachers and so on, but I want to tell you, listen, uh, imitate me, follow me, and I'm going to send a son to you so that you can learn from a son who knows how to be a son, who knows how to follow, who knows the ways of his Father in Christ. Okay? He says, Faith is Lord, who will remind you of, say, my ways. My ways in Christ. Right? It's my way in Christ. So in other words, God gave it to me. The Holy Spirit revealed it to me. It is my way, but it's actually the way of Christ. It's my way because I have taken it as mine and I have lived it and I have applied it. Right? It's my ways. So the way that, so the ways that Timothy knows is the ways that he has discovered in me. Okay? And so, if Timothy is imitating, right, Paul, his father, then he's actually discovering the way in Christ. And the reason Timothy knows the way of Paul in Christ is because he's a follower of the doctrine and of the life of Paul. Right? So, so it is, so he says, I'm just going to send you a son. And this son is going to show you how to be sons to a father. How to follow. Okay? Okay. I'll I'll put up Ashton's favorite song, Follow, Follow, on the group. (laughs) And, okay. So I'm sending you a son. Right? So following, so following leaders is simply The father and the son wineskin. Father and son model. Right? In the church. Why are we saying these things? For the flourishing of? Why are we saying this? To flourish in? We want to know the grace of God in Massa. And how did they do it? They followed, imitated. And what did it do? It made grace flourish. That's what it did. It made grace flourish. It made them increase. As the Bible says about Jesus. And he submitted to his parents. And he increased. In what? Grace. 
the the old the old King James say, and he grew in favor. But the Greek word for favor is charis. It's grace. So how do you grow in grace? By knowing how to submit, how to follow, how to imitate, how to follow the doctrine. Right? Because what does it do? It makes grace flourish. Okay? So I'm saying these things to your benefit. Okay? Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 6. And, um, yeah, I have to read scriptures because people are following us on live stream. And while you are more acquainted with what I teach, we also have to give scriptures. Okay. Uh, what did I say? Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 6. He says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ... That you withdraw yourselves from every brother. Okay, now if you use the word brother, it's now not uh, gender focused. Okay, right? Um, It's just speaking about person in Christ. That walks disorderly and not after, say tradition. Say tradition again. Now there's much said about bad traditions. There's much said about... The traditions of men. And you've probably heard about traditions of men. And you've probably heard about doctrines that come from men. That are traditions of man. That are useless and wasteless. And it's religious. And it's dead. But Paul says, we also have a tradition. That is biblical. And that is not religion. But it's actually the way of God. If it's from God, it's not religion. Right? You say, a brother who walks disorderly, disorderly means unarranged, right? Not in order, according to the tradition which you have received from us. In other words, we taught you the traditions. And if it's traditions, we would actually like you to teach somebody else also. Because that's what traditions are. Traditions go from one generation to the next generation. A tradition. Okay? That produces a culture. Verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Wow. Remember Thessalonians is the Macedonian churches. He says you actually know how to follow us. I don't actually need to teach you these things. Because I taught you already. We already spoke about these things. And you know how to follow In other words, you know how to imitate. You know how to mimic. You know what you are supposed to imitate. And you know what you are not supposed to imitate. Right? Okay? For we were not disorderly among you. Right? So, he uses these things as examples. Okay? And verses 8. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So we decided that we are not, we are going to work with our own hands, okay? Especially in the beginning, you don't want to put pressure upon people, you don't want 
people to think that you are after money or whatever. So you tend to do, you work freely. Which I did in the beginning. For many, many, many years. I worked not for a salary. Didn't get a salary. Didn't get anything. I just labored amongst the people. Right? It was only in recent, I don't know how many, maybe six or seven years ago, I'm not sure, that I started getting a salary. Right? But Paul is, you must see his mindset about this. So whenever we travel, wherever we go, we try not to be a burden. There is no expectation on money. There is no expectation on accommodation. There is no expectation on honorariums or anything like that. We come simply, if you don't have, we pay, we do our own way. And that's it. And you guys make that possible. Can I say thank you to you? It's because you give that I, I am able to be able to give that example, right? And not come. But there are other churches where pastors, they already get from the church. And before, when they're invited, they'll tell you already how much they want. That's true. Okay? Other, uh, sometimes people will come to me, they're not here us, and they'll say, you know, can you marry me? Can you marry us? And I say, uh, and then eventually I say, okay, I'll do it. And then they say, how much do you charge? Then I say, I don't charge anything. I'll just do it. I said, yes. They say, oh, my buddy, I'm going to pay Right? So, we don't do that. Right? But I do believe in the principle of honor. Right? That when a man labors... But if I get nothing, you You didn't give me anything. That's not going to happen. Right? It won't happen. So, we toil night and day. Now, why did he do this? Verses 9. Look at this. Not because we have not power. In other words, not because I don't have the right to take it. Right? He says, but to make ourselves... An example, an example to unto you to follow us. So he says, I'm doing this so that you can imitate something. Right? Okay? So, you will find that if I go through something very difficult, if it's a financial thing, you won't find me. It, at that time in my life, you will not find me asking you for anything. I would rather ask when it's going well. Because the reason I do that is because is if it's going bad with me financially, or let's not say, let's not use the word bad, but let's use the word, it's challenging. I have to consistently trust. There's not an overflow and abundance. You will not find me in that time coming and say, listen, I'm going through a tough time. You will not find me to the end. And I can confidently say that no person here can lift their hands up and say, I did that. There's, no, there's not one person. I have asked nobody. If you phoned me and noticed something and said, like Tani Mimi one day did that, and you said, if you're going through a struggle, would you tell me that you need money? 
I said, I don't know. I don't know. She had to pull it out of me. And cornered me. And then I said, they said, okay, we would like to give you something. I said, okay, let's go for it. Right? And it was in a time that I needed it. Right? But we do that so that you can imitate. Why? Because the Bible says that your leaders must not be greedy for gain. That's what the Bible says. Your leaders, when you choose a leader, don't choose somebody who's after money. Because he'll make a table for selling doves. (laughs) He'll sell the anointing to you. Right? So we are not here to do that. Right? We don't do that. And we would rather get just what there is. And say, Lord, you know. You know what we need. And the Lord has been faithful. Okay? So I can't stand and tell you about the goodness of God. Right? So... He did that so that he could be an example. So that they could follow and imitate the same. So when somebody experiences you, he must not experience you are greedy for money. Why? Because you learned you are imitating the way. You know that your father in the faith is not greedy for money. Right? And you are showing the same example which is in Christ. Okay. So while Jesus taught, trust your father for your eating and your drinking and your, and, your, and your clothing and don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus had people who followed him and actually gave financially to him. The Bible says that there were many women that followed him that gave to him financially. And the words actually used supported his ministry. So what is he, what is he saying? He's saying we've got to get the heart right. It doesn't mean that people shouldn't support. The heart must be right. Okay? And then it goes on here and it says, um, let's read verse 12. Verse 12 says, Now then there are such we command, sorry, then there are such we command, command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Basically, You must work. Okay? Verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Verse 14. If any man obey not our word. Did he say the word of Jesus? Did any man obey not our word? But we know that that word of Paul was the word of God. Alright? Is that true? Right? And all of you have the freedom to research what we say. You have that freedom. Right? So, in this episode, note that person. Right? So, if anybody is not obeying what we are teaching, the Bible says, especially when it's disorderly, note the person. Mark the person. And do not what? Company with them. You know what that is? Fellowship with them. Associate yourself with them. Right? That, that what may happen to them, that they may be 
ashamed. So, so if you're experiencing shame because of a disorderly walk and nobody is wanting to fellowship with you, that is not because there's no love. You understand? This verse says, it's not a love issue. What must happen is you must understand that you are walking disorderly. And the shame must come upon you. And the way that is, the shame is removed is very simple. Repent. And the reason why you don't company, you don't associate, you don't fellowship is because, is because you, you, either you are influenced or you are, or you are influencing. Right? Are you, he say, he says corrupt communication causes bad behavior. That's what the Bible says. Right? So, this is not an issue of love. This is of the issue of being corrected and coming into a rec- correct place. Right? Be all with me. Why are we saying this? To flourish in grace. To flourish in grace. So, what am I after? I am after the flourishing of the grace of God in you. That is my, my goal here. Right? And so, do not company with them. So, it is a right stance. So, I will not fellowship when there is a disorderly walk. I will be kind. I will greet. I will be nice. I won't be rude. But I will not hang out. And you... Must imitate that. Right? Okay? That you may be, that there may be a shame. Verse 15. Yet do not count them as your enemy. Don't make them your enemy. Don't treat them like your enemy. All it says is, don't associate and fellowship. Don't company. When you see them, whatever, be kind, greet, be friendly. Right? If they're in trouble, help. But don't associate. Right? But admonish him as a brother or a sister. word admonish means to gently correct. That's what it means. Gently correct. Right? To gently warn. Right? Now, if that person is a family relative, you have to... Yemut Makayar. As a, as a daughter, dear. But you must know how to stand your ground. Okay? So, if a family relative comes and they don't walk right and they, they come to come visit, we'll have a Brian on Skyer. Right? But, I will not partake in evil deeds. Right? If you want to do that, do that. Right? Okay. So, the imitation, right? The imitation. Paul is speaking to them about the imitation. Um, so what causes us not to follow? That's a very good question. 
Thank you for asking. What causes us not to follow? What hinders us from following? Right? Now, I think I, I've already dealt with this, this issue of there's enough verses and scriptures to show you that you must follow. Is that true? Okay, there's enough scriptures. So we've already dealt with that mindset. I hope. Okay? Right? But, what, what really hinders us? So let's go to first, uh, what's the word here? Philippians 2.25. The Philippians is what? The churches of Macedonia. Okay? Philippians 2.25. It says, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Okay? Now, Epaphroditus is one of Paul's sons. Okay? So, look at Look at how the relationship changes from son, okay, to brother, fellow worker. In other words, he wasn't just imitating and following. He also helped with the work, right? In other words, he also, he didn't just sit and listen to the doctrine, but he also made effort to share it with somebody else, to make sure that the word of God grows to understand the mandate of the father and the house, to see how they can help that mandate be completed, accomplished. He's a fellow worker. Okay? And fellow soldier. In other words, we suffered, he suffered with me. He went through the trials with me. Sometimes there were things that needed to be done. And we endured with it. It was a difficult time for me personally. I'm giving an example for me personally. But I suffered through it to make sure that the work gets done. Right? You know, that is like, that is like it teaches you. You know why that's good? Because it teaches you not to walk by feelings. Because many times you reason according to your feelings and emotions and not reason properly. You know, like, like those of you who do sports or who go for a walk, you know, you know um, like I, I was asked once, why did you join us four o'clock in the morning we go for a walk at the lagoon? And you know what my feelings said? No. No. Egg will slap. No, thank you. That was my feelings. But you know when you become disciplined, then even the cold weather won't stop you from getting up. Even the late night that you had won't stop you from getting up and going for a walk. Because you teach yourself discipline, not, and you teach yourself to be obedient to a way and a decision and not to walk according to feelings and emotions. And many times we depart from the word of God because we use our feelings and not our sober mind. Right? 
You know, like you get up Sunday morning. Oh, I feel so tired today. Nah, I'm not going to church. Let's do the live stream. But what you are doing is you are teaching yourself to walk by feelings. That's what you're doing. You don't understand that because this word, when the Bible says, submit to leaders or honor your husbands, you know, it's not, it's not taking, it's, it's not using, it didn't say if you feel it. It says even to the bad, even to those, your like we read the other day, when you have, when you go work for somebody, your employer has got bad manners, telling you how stupid you are. And then he says, and then he says, take out the trash. Or whichever. Or he gives you an instruction based upon your job description. That... What, are you, what, what is happening? You are being taught. It's not about your feelings. Be disciplined and walk obediently to the word. What does the Bible say about Jesus? What is our main goal? Sonship. Amen. What's our main goal? Sonship. What's our main goal? What's our main goal? And what does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 5 about Jesus? Though he was a son, yet learned he through the things he suffered and being made perfect mature he became the author of eternal salvation in other words in other words don't when jesus went to the cross it was his obedience to his father that kept him in the right direction because if he went by his feelings he would have departed and said, Jelle, can jelle amal self red? My irisak is for me. What was that? That's emotions talking. That's feelings speaking. But the Bible says he obeyed even when he had to suffer. In other words, my suffering and my feelings and my emotions. And the passions of things that I'm going through is not going to prevent me from being obedient. That's, the, that's how you become. Now, Bible says, that's the path you take to maturity. That sunny weather outside mustn't keep you away. Now you, you may be saying, ah, yes, yes, you're not right. Now I won't force you to do that. My question to you is, do you want to mature? If you want to mature, that's the path. There's no other path. Nobody will ever mature without some suffering in his life. And in the suffering... It will require obedience. You, you, cannot, you cannot mature. That there is no other way. There is no other way. Jesus is the example. And I read to you the verse that said, He has called you to this. In the book of Peter. Remember that verse? Where it says that you must 
if you are suffering, you must go through it and endure it. Because Jesus left us an example. Okay? Are you all with me? Right? So, this verse says, my fellow soldier. If you don't learn to suffer... And continue. How can God entrust vision to you? Because you know what? The mandate, the work, the destiny upon your life is not going to happen without difficulties and challenges. It will never happen. And in those difficulties, you will have to learn to endure. None of these things happen. Just by themselves. Now I said many years ago there's a shortcut. I'm giving you the shortcut. Right? Why are we saying these things? So that you may flourish in grace. Okay? So, let's read then verses 29. Oh sorry, yeah and it says, Okay, this is my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but he is your... He's your what? Messenger. In other words, don't see him as your brother. See him as your messenger. Paul is writing to the churches of Macedonia. So why do people struggle to follow? It's because of their perspective of their leaders. The perspective that you have... Paul is saying, this is the perspective I want you to have, Epaphroditus, when I send him to you. Don't receive him as your brother. He's your messenger. When he comes, what are you seeing? Messenger. When he starts to preach, what are you seeing? Messenger. Jesus said, if you, what do you say about John the Baptist? When you went out, what did you go to see? In other words, what are you seeing about someone? He said a reed shaken by the wind. In other words, is he tossed? uh, This Sunday he comes with an idea. Next Sunday he comes with a different idea. This Sunday he says it's tithing. Next Sunday he says it's not tithing. The other Sunday he says it's... It's, yeah, we must be in church. And the other Sunday say, no, must be. That's a wind toss. That's a reed tossed by the wind. I cannot give a slate. What glue He said, no, you didn't go out to see that. Then he said, did you go out to see someone dressed in fine clothing? You see, that's external. Outside. If he wears a suit, he's powerful. If he doesn't wear a suit, he's not powerful. What are you looking at? No, no, no. He said, then he said this. He said, but let me tell you who he is. Jesus says, let me give you the right perspective. Jesus, God in flesh, is talking about a man, John the Baptist. And God in the flesh says, let me tell you who John is. He's the messenger of the Lord that went before me to prepare my way. He says, and he's a prophet. But let me tell you, he's more than a prophet. He's my messenger who went before me. Perspective. Don't be external. 
Okay, don't be external, right? Don't be. Yeah, he's a colored man, and I'm a white man. But listen to a colored boy. You in the flesh. Because we're not looking at race. We're not looking in the flesh. We are looking at grace. That's why the Bible says you must discern the body. So Jesus is giving perspective and he says he's a messenger. Paul is giving perspective and he says Ephrodites is your messenger. Right? Look what verses um, 29 says. Verses 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord. Receive him. And then he says, with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Hold such men in Esteem. In other words, the old King James says, and hold such men with reputation. Now obviously we must give you a good reason to have a, have a high thinking of us. No? I can't just behave the way I want to and then I'm still told to see him work. Right? Okay? But... Look how Paul is teaching the Macedonian church these things. Hold them in high esteem. Hold such men in esteem. In other words, think highly. The word esteem means honor them. Consider them highly. Think highly of them. Don't think low of them. Right? Okay, so we're not going to get much into, into that. But it means, that word esteem means to prize, to value, right? To think of them precious. Okay, now what's the difference between worship and honor? You know, before we even talk about honor. What is the difference between worship and honor? Okay. The difference between worship and honor, if any of you here think that JP can't make a mistake, then you've already elevated me to God. If any of you here think that I, it's impossible for me to fall, you've already Elevated me to a position. Because only God cannot fall. And the possibility of every man or woman of God falling is there. The pos- it doesn't mean that everybody does fall. But the possibility is there. Right? If your perspective of somebody is like, Thou canity a folk market. Then you are busy worshipping me. Because you've already put me on God's status. Because only God can never fail you. Only God can never fall. Only God 
is perfect in that way. A healthy perspective is exinom. I see him and you know sometimes he has a bad day. But that's not his behavior consistently. And I recognize that he can make a mistake. He's human like me. But I see a messenger. I see a father. I see someone called and has grace. I can see it. And I honor that. That is what honor is. Right? You know, and that's why the Bible would tell you as wives, honor your husbands or respect your husbands. And then it, and then it tells you even if they are not that good. Even if they got some bad behaviors, respect them still. Because it's not about, you, you understand what I'm saying. So, so yeah, so I don't want you to worship me. I want honor. Okay? But when I say I want honor, I'm not like, I want to feel good and be, a, be someone that's the main guy here. That's a, I am not after that. I am after this, this thing because honor, listen to this, honor opens you for grace. That's what it does. It opens you for grace. And what the enemy wants you to do is to look at that person that is your leader as just somebody that's common to you. Right? And not see them as someone that is sent by God. You know, you all know the story. We won't read it now. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. It talks about Jesus when he came to his own family, his own people. And the, then Jesus said, uh, a, a prophet is not without honor except among his own people and his own family. Right? And then the Bible says, and he marveled. Or the Bible says, and he could do no miracle there. Except heal a few people with a headache, you know, here and there. But there was no powerful move of the Spirit amongst those people. Why? Because they said to themselves, the Bible says, and they were offended with him. They, he didn't hurt them. He didn't say something nasty to them. They were simply offended because they said, Ons Kenyo, we know your mother. We know your father. We know your brothers and your sisters. Jesus had brothers and sisters. We know them. We know you're a carpenter, Ons Kenyo. But the Bible says they were also amazed at how what, what kind of doctrine is this? Where did he get this authority? In other words, they saw something in the spirit in him. But they didn't want to honor him in what they saw. So they rather brought him down to their level and said, but we know you. That's what they did. Now, what... But. But now Jesus comes around and he says, and then Jesus basically gives him the answer. 
they couldn't honor. They were struggling with honoring. And then he says, he marveled at their unbelief. If you don't have the proper perspective, right, of me. Okay, I speak to you as a father speaks to his children. If I speak to my own children, it's straight. Right? And as I speak to you, I, have, I don't even feel bad about it. <laughs> That's how I know I'm free. I don't want any, I've got no hidden agendas. In the past, I couldn't say these things. Hey, I got no hidden agendas. Right? If you just see me as JP, I clear lang mandazo. Hey, I take him no particular lekker aan of whatever. But you don't recognize me in the spirit. You are basically going from Sunday to Sunday, acquiring information. And the grace of God is not working the way it should in your life. You are blocking it. And it has an effect upon your faith. So that even when I speak, you wouldn't believe. And because you don't believe, it won't work. Because grace works by faith. You understand what I'm saying? I am after great grace to work amongst us. Right? And so, if you view me like that, there's the story of, uh, I think it was Elijah, was it Elijah or Elisha? Elisha, one of the two. He was, he was walking past, he was traveling always. And then there was this uh, woman, the Shunammite woman, I think it is. And she, and then she, the Bible says she was a great woman. Now think about great. Why would the Bible say she's a great woman? A great woman is a woman of stature. A woman of influence. A woman of, she's a ken. Great woman. And every time Elijah or Elisha is traveling to his destination, he would come to this place, Elisha. Come to this place where this lady had this house or so on. And then, and then he would, you know, stop there and chat and then he would leave and continue his journey. And then one day this woman said to her husband, I perceive that this man is a man of God. Something changed in her perspective. And the Bible says, she said, let us make a room for him upstairs. Don't give him the basement. Right? She was basically, she was basically highlighting, let's put this man upstairs. Let's honor him. Let's esteem him highly. And if we do that, let's give him an upper room. Let's give him the best room. He didn't ask for the best room. He didn't ask for anything that she was doing. Her perception changed of him. She said, I perceive this is a man of God. And when she did that, 
when he came in, she made a bed and a lamp. And when she came in, when he came in this time, he didn't just eat and leave. He slept. And when he saw what she did, he said, wow. Then he said to his servant, call that woman here. Go find out what they need. And she couldn't get a child. The servant said she doesn't get a child. And he said, now his grace, the grace that was upon his life, worked. Now he said, tell her, call her. And then he said, you will have a child. And she became pregnant. The grace of God that, that is upon the lives of those who God sends cannot work for you. If you don't receive and esteem them highly. And you know what it does? It brings to us humility. Because without humility, you cannot honor. And those people didn't want to honor Jesus because they said, you are, we know you, family re- relatives. To us, we know you. I must now decrease to honor you. No ways. And you know, I've seen that I'll end off with this and then we finish. I'll end off with this. I have literally been with people, they're not here now. They can literally see what I have. They recognize it, they talk and they will say it. But they will never come. They will even sometimes praise me. They will never come and submit because they find it hard. Because they still also see me in the flesh. And because of those two things, they are struggling to do. They will even say, I had a dream that you are my father. But they still haven't done anything about it. Why? Because they can see something in the spirit just like Jesus' relatives and people saw something in Jesus. How does he do these things? Where does he get it from? They can see something. But because they know you in the flesh, they don't do anything. They will never show you honor and respect. Now, honor, honor. I can't determine your honor. You must determine. You must allow God to open your eyes. Right? And when you do that, right, you from yourself determine how you express that honor. Right? But honor opens you up for grace. The presence of the Lord, it just opens you up for amazing things. Right? Let's stand. Didn't finish there. But anyway, it's okay. So what was one of the secrets of the Macedonian church? Was the way that they followed their leaders. And why were they able to follow their leaders? Because they were taught to think of them highly. Right? Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, family, allow the Holy Spirit to change your perspective or to even upgrade your perspective. Okay? I am even trusting the Lord in my own journey with my father in the faith, Tamu, that I would see more highly than what I see. And what I see him. Because I truly believe what I am telling you. Honor opens you up for the presence of the Lord 
the grace of the Lord Jesus so that you may accelerate and advance. Right? And so, don't use, when, when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, he said, don't use the current out there. Is the shoes sharp and pointy? You know? How expensive is the suit? When Paul came to the Macedonian churches, he was being persecuted. He didn't come and drive up with his Mercedes Benz. He was running for his life. (laughs) And they honored him. Don't look at the external. Right? Don't look at the external. Don't look at how long you know me. Because even you, you may have known me long, but your perspective might have decreased. I want to say, as my beloved sons, I warn you, elevate your perspective for your sake. Amen? Let's lift up our hands we pray. Father, today, we want to thank you. Thank you, Father, for the freedom that I have to speak. Just to say things, you know, that possibly, if it was years ago, I wouldn't be able to say it. But I know that my heart is free. And I know that my heart has no hidden agendas. And I know that if I would go to another church, I would teach this with all belief in my heart. And I would be excited to teach them to honor their leaders. And so, Father, what we are after is being a model, an example. We are searching for what the scripture says. And we want to be the tupos, the pattern. And we want to see the fruit out of that. And so Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you will work in our hearts. And Lord, to those who ask sincerely, Holy Spirit, will you cause them to see. And I pray also that those who struggle with us, that even you would help them to see and perceive in the Spirit. And Lord, I I pray this so that we may flourish in grace. That we may accelerate. That our, our advancement may be seen by everybody out there. And that they would be curious about what we are doing that's producing such results. As Jesus gave us the example, he submitted to his parents and he increased in favor. So Lord, we bless your people, your children, your sons. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.